Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is Soul to Soul Connections with Jenny G and I'm your host Jenny G Cousins. I would like to welcome my guest. I am extremely honored, extremely blessed to have his presence here and you're all going to soon find out why. And his name is Shruti Ram. And before we begin, I'm just going to read you just a little bit of his bio. I have to keep my glasses on so I can actually see this. <laughs> so you're going to soon see this amazing person. Okay, now, Shruti Ram is a beloved figure in the mystical and yoga community, a name among names and a disciple of Nod or Need or Neem, sorry, Karuli Baba. Is that right? Pretty close, Nim Karoli. There you go. <laughs> I knew I'd need your assistance. Okay, so during his 40-year close association with Baba Ram Das, who I absolutely adore, Shruti Ram traveled across the United States participating in meditation retreats that attracted thousands of participants. He is a renowned formal meditation master who lectures on many subjects, including demystifying Hinduism, devotional love, meditation practices, the mysteries found in the epic Ramayana story, and how to live in the modern world under the influence of spiritual love. He has appeared as a lecturer, chant leader, or a kirtan leader at the Omega Institute, Bhakti Fest, the Mahaka Temple, in India and other venues from Florida to New Mexico to India to California. His kirtans have drawn thousands. Shruti Ram's life story is one of astounding transformations. As a city boy with a hungry soul, he felt called by angels, yet kept his feet firmly on the sidewalks. Always drawn to a higher path, he forged a parallel career as a brilliant New York City fashion stylist on call to top designers. But he was endlessly called to a spiritual purpose, which took him ultimately to a secret temple, sanctuary in India. There he experienced a shattering, startling, and complete transformation. George Palmer, flashy New Yorker, became Shruti Ram, the Hindu priest. Shruti Ram quickly ascended as a spiritual leader in New York City, with hundreds of eager devotees flocking in his light, wrapped in the wisdom of his teachers, with a true scholar's ability to channel ancient teachings for modern followers. He grew into a remarkable mystic and teacher. But at his peak, he was called once again to leave his fame behind for the quiet and peace of the Catskill Mountains. He became a driving force in Woodstock's vibrant Kirtan scene, known as the father of Woodstock Kirtan. 
This joyful voice for his powerful, generous spirit has taken his music and his enlightening teachings all over the world. Whether as part of Sri Kirtan with Ishwari or performing on his own, his passionate heart-opening performances are profound experiences for all attending. Sri Kirtan's second CD, Live Your Love, reached number 10 on Billboard World Music Chart. Now, you're one of one of my amazing teachers. I just I just love and adore you dearly. And thank you. I am so honored to have you on my show. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for inviting me. I followed your wonderful work for quite some time now. And I find you always to be inspirational and uplifting. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's very nice. That's it's very true. nice. It's true. Oh, because we go back a long way, actually. Yeah, we do. Yes. So can you actually share with our viewers, what exactly is Kirtan? Kirtan. Kirtan, sorry. Kirtan is uh, a form of bhakti yoga. And bhakti yoga in itself is devotional yoga. But there are many kinds of yoga. There's hatha yoga, yana yoga, uh, many different kinds of yogas. But bhakti is the devotional aspect. And it's an oral tradition, centuries old. And it really became most popular about 600 years ago when Lord Chaitanya, who was a knowledgeable, very well-educated priest thought the po general population doesn't really have access to all the language and heavy teachings of the Vedas and, and, uh, and such. So he took it out into the street with his harmonium and started singing in the streets. And before you knew it, he had thousands of people singing with him because chanting helps you, especially in a group, helps you connect with each other in such a way, um, connecting to a heart space. And as I said, it's this oral tradition. And when people sitting next to you and you're all chanting the same thing, even if you don't know what the words mean, your intention is to go inside. And before you know it, you realize you're all inside the same space. And there's such power in numbers. It's an enormous collective because sound travels endlessly mm -hmm. forever through the universe. So all of the chanting that's ever been done, when we sit and we chant, we join that collective. Yes, that's amazing. I love it. I, I, I chant every day. I, I just really connect with it. So what brought you to this path? Well, it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> uh, I was a hairdresser in New York working very hard mm -hmm. and uh, trying to build up a reputation, which fortunately I did do. 
and I heard of a book, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. And everyone was talking about it and the Beatles were talking about it because I had the privilege of meeting them. Oh, wow. And um, Autobiography of Yogi, I read it, I consumed it. And I sat with it and I thought, what a bunch of baloney. <laughs> it's impossible. But maybe it's not mm -hmm. impossible. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, I have to go to India and find out. Go to the source. Don't take anybody's word. Because in issues like this, your personal experience is the guru within you. And somebody else's experience can be inspirational, but your personal experience is what gets you there. So I went to India, and that was the beginning of the end. I threw everything I knew as important out the window and traveled to that inner space. And it wasn't easy because I fought it all the way. I didn't want to give up my fancy life. Yeah. But I wasn't happy with my fancy life. So I found a wonderful teacher in India, Satya Sai Baba. I went to see him. It's the year this guy passed away. So when I got to India, he was dead. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a, a, an incredible time. And I have a bazillion stories about that, but maybe that's another time. That's another interview. <laughs> And I uh, came back and got involved with a meditation teacher in New York City who I found driving through the city one night. Ram Das was on the radio and the, he announced that if you had any questions, you could call the station directly. So I searched the streets for a phone because we didn't have cell phones in those days. And uh, I actually got Ramdas on the phone and I said, I need a good meditation teacher in New York. He said, go see Hilda Charlton in Greenwich Village, mm -hmm. which I did. And she was a magnificent teacher. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I met Ramdas there. Oh, nice. And we became great buddies and we studied together, we chanted together. And then I wound up being meditation master on his retreats and traveled around with him. With Ram Das? With Ram Das. Oh, wow. We became great friends. And at one point, I actually lived with him in New York City. Mm. It was wonderful. Oh, he's, I, I, I love Ram Das. I, I absolutely love him. I've read his books and wow. Amazing. Yeah, he, I was just with him in July with the completion of our Hanuman Temple in Taos, New Mexico, the Nim Karoli Baba Ashram Temple. Oh. Ramdas had the dream of building this temple for the statue that he had made uh, 40 years ago. Wow. We've been trying for 40 years to get this temple built, and it was finally completed. And Ramdas came, and it was a glorious, glorious reunion for about 2,000 of us. Mm. And just a wonderful, wonderful moment in our lives. Mm. And for us to see him mm -hmm. have the realization of his dream was just, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. Oh, no. 
No. <clears throat> no, absolutely not. No, he's he's definitely in my heart. Definitely yeah. in my heart. So why like why did you choose chanting as um a path or practice? Like what brought you there? Well, I was born a nice young Catholic boy, went to 12 years parochial school. And when I was in elementary school, it was recognized that I had a bit of a voice. So I chanted Gregorian chant for 12 years. So chanting came naturally to me. And then in India, that's what they do. I mean, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal things. I mean, you made a reference to when I was in India at the Mahakal Temple. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a Hindu holiday called Shivaratri, mm -hmm. and which is a very big holiday. It's the night of Shiva. Oh, okay. Mahakal is the oldest Shiva temple in India, and the biggest, one of the biggest. And um, we were invited. This I was traveling in those days with an Indian female swami, and um, we were invited to do kirtan on Shivaratri, which was equivalent to singing at St. Patrick's Cathedral on Christmas Eve, you know, mm -hmm. like that big. Then the media was there and the newspapers, everything gigantic. And we're sitting up on the stage and she turns to me and she says, Shruti Ram, it's an awful lot of people. How many people do you think are out there? So I looked around and I said, oh, there must be 5,000 people at least. So she said, well, you know, everybody's doing Bollywood kirtan. Let's do traditional Om Namah Shivaya. It's great, let's do it. So that's what we did. The crowd went crazy. They loved it. Mm. We sang from, we were some of many guests. Mm -hmm. um, we did our gig and then we went home. The next day, we're walking in the street and we see the Headlines in the newspaper. Tradition returns to Mahakal from Westerners. We brought it back to the source. Wow. And there were 80,000 people there that night, not 5,000. So we felt very, very good about, we had always heard in the, all the Westerners, people in the United States were grabbing yoga and taking it into their personal lives. And in India, they're grabbing materialism and bringing that into their personal lives. And we brought it back. From that night on, only traditional chanting on Shivaratri in that temple could happen. Oh, that's amazing. We did it. That's amazing. It's a wonderful feeling. Oh, I, I can imagine. I, I, I couldn't imagine, actually, until you've actually experienced that. So can you, can you share with our viewers, for our viewers who might not um, know what um, a mantra is? Mantra. Mantra. Mantra is um, a series of words. And um, they're usually Sanskrit words. And Sanskrit words are not just spelling. They're individual words joined together, like mantra, the two things. 
um, kirtan is two things. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, um, we say these words because again, it's a practice. And we need a practice, I've always believed, I needed a practice mm -hmm. to help me stay on the path mm -hmm. that I had chosen to self-enlightenment, to self-realization. Mm -hmm. Because the world is constantly bombarding us with all kinds of energies. And if you want to maintain a compassionate and loving spirit, you need a practice because so, we all can fall off our path, but a practice and a daily practice at that brings you there. And a mantra, very simple, simple thing. Mm -hmm. I was told that Walt Whitman became self-realized by using his own name as a mantra mm -hmm. with his Joppa beats, Walt Whitman, Walt Whitman. Yes. Walt Whitman, Walt Whitman. And he reached self-realization through that method. Yes. So mantras are sounds, they carry vibrations because those sounds are said to be the sounds of the world being created mm -hmm. back then in, in ancient history. So you must chant every day then. I sing. sing. Uh, I chant the uh, Hanuman Chalisa which is a very long mantra. It's 40 stanzas, takes about 11, 12 minutes to do it. And I tried to do that. I did it just before I connected with you today. Okay. Because I was watching something else of a political nature. And <laughs> I, I really have to change my vibe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I chant the Hanuman on Mondays. You do? Yeah, I was told that um, chanting the Hanuman, for me anyways, is better on a Monday for me. You know why we chant the Hanuman, Chalisa? No. Hanuman was actually an incarnation of Shiva. And uh, he took the form of a monkey because Ram was coming, Vishnu, Ram, was mm -hmm. coming to the earth to save us one more time. And he wanted to be aid him in his enormous challenge coming to the earth. So he took the form of a monkey because it was less than oh. you. And his only purpose was to help, to serve. Hanuman is the incarnation of selfless service. And that's all he wanted to do was serve. So we chant to Hanuman because he has no ego. Yeah. So we chant to Hanuman and the Chalisa tells him some of the wonderful miracles that he's performed so he'll remember. And we build him up and we remind him and then we ask him for a favor. Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that, I mean, I didn't know the whole story behind that. So that, thank you. That, make, that makes perfect sense. So what is bhakti yoga? The chanting and devotion. devotion. And it's a devotional path. And it's, it's uh, a practice, again, that helps us go into the heart space. Um, because the heart space is the origin of all noble thoughts. 
and consequently noble deeds. So bhakti is to get us on track into our heart space so that we can tap the divinity, that aspect of divinity that resides in each and every one of us. So that's why we do bhakti. We praise the Lord, but we're praising the Lord within us. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who you call Lord, as long as it's um, a compassionate, a loving entity that you're trying to get in touch with. I love that, because when I, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people, and, but, you know, there's very few who I have, like, in my life, and I will connect with some, if I can connect with someone on a heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul level unconditionally, that's my tribe. Yeah, so. It keeps us on the path. Yeah. It helps us read the road signs that keeps us on the path. All of the yes. and sages who came before us left road signs for us with their uh, experiences, their personal experiences, which um, I've just written a book about, yeah. my, about my personal experiences. And I thought, well, really, it's just going to be another memoir. And what really shocked me was that after I had completed it, I had to go back and proofread the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Because I never looked back. I was either in the moment and taking the next step forward. Absolutely. And I never looked back. And after I read what I had written about my life, I was blown away that it was such a magical and mysterious journey. And I felt that it could be inspirational because I'm just another schmo on the planet and I had a wonderful time being compassionate and kind. That's your nature, you know, and and that's your nature. And that's why I connect with you because you're real, you're authentic and you, you're all heart connected, you know, and I want, I want a copy of the book, by the way. <laughs> well, they're redoing the whole thing right now. I just signed with a new publisher. Yeah. And, um, they're going to do an absolutely stunning book. And the publisher was so moved by the book. He said, I have no choice but to publish this. It's got to get out there. Yes. Well, that's why, you know, I wanted to share just a little bit about your bio up front because it's extraordinary. And I just connected with like every word of it. It, it literally like went right through me, you know, and I thought I, you know, I mean, people have to see you, they have to know about you, which they do, but you know, it's, it's very unique, very unique. So can you share um speaking of love and hearts can you share a little bit about devotional love devotional love devotional love i my personal practice is a very was very very complex it's called takerji seva takerji service and that's when you have an image um that you invest through rituals and ceremonies and it becomes a living entity in your life. So every day, my Takraji was Ram, the Lord Ram. And he would have to be bathed, dressed, fed, read poetry to, played with, 
put to rest, fed again, and on and on and on and on. Takriji Sevadus. It's limitless practice. And I did it because, well, first of all, I had the time and the interest to do it. And it took most of the day for several years. And then at one point I was um, sitting with him and he said, you know, you don't have to do this anymore. I said, what? And we had conversations. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> you don't have to do this anymore. I live inside of you. Yeah. So it's not necessary. Take care of you. Take care of yourself and you will be honoring me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do now. I still have my Takuji, mm-hmm. which is a, I could bend your ear for several hours on that one. But um, he's here. He lives in the house. And um, that's my devotional love. But it doesn't have to be so intense. Devotional love is, we do it through bhakti, through chanting, through mantra, to, it helps us to change our physical world because we are changing ourselves from the inside. So we respond to other people and situations differently than we would if we were not involved in the practice. Mm. It keeps us in love. One of the reasons I fell so in love with this man's teachings, Nim Karoli Babaji, was because he had very simple dictates. Mm. And it was love everybody, feed everybody, see God in everybody, Yes. And don't try and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> That's why I fell in love with it. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see that. <laughs> I didn't need a mantra. I didn't need anything. If I could just follow those rules, I knew I was on the way home. And Ramdas always says, that is the truth because ultimately, we're all, and this is the name of his last newest book, we're all just walking each other home. Yes. That's what we're doing. And devotional love promotes that uh, in a positive and forceful way. Yeah, it has such a nice flow to it. You know what I mean? The energy all just seems to be flowing just all around that. I can really feel that. You know, so it, what, what is this? Um, is that the book, All Roads Lead to Ram? That's my book. I know. All Roads Lead to Ram. I love it. The subtitle is uh, Personal History of a Spiritual Warrior. Wow. Adventurer, spiritual adventurer. Adventurer, I'd say and, that. Uh, I gave <laughs> it to Ram Das when I saw him in July. And I walked in and I said, well, I brought you this. So he looks at it, he takes it and he looks at it. Gives me the look, the piercing melt, melt in your shoes look. And he goes, it's true, <laughs> over here. And he took a picture holding the book. What a lovely gift. Aww. And it's the story of how it all got started. And uh, 
if you if you want to hear any of the stories, I can relate. Anyway. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I was just going to ask you that. Can you share with us a story? Actually, seriously, that was my next question. I'll tell you the first story because many, most people can really relate to it. When I came back from India, I wanted a mantra. So I found a teacher in Manhattan. Yogi Dinkar was his name on 57th Street in Manhattan. And there was a whole bunch of us went there to see him. And we're all sitting there on the chairs and he would come to his desk and he would interview you. Came to be my turn and he looked at me very deeply, which I hadn't noticed with the others. So he said, so I have to preface this by saying he was very unusual because he had a very heavy Jewish accent. And he was dressed in Indian clothes, and spent most of his life in India. And he said to me, so you want the mantra? <laughs> so I said, yes. He said, no, not for you, not yet. You're not ready. Mm -hmm. I said, what do you mean I'm not ready? I'm here. I have a hundred dollars <laughs> for my mantra. He said, no, you'll have to take yoga lessons for a while to prepare you for the power of the mantra. And when all baloney, just another old man capitalizing on a new vogue. And, oh, what the hell? So I took yoga classes. It went on for seven months. And every time I would say, when do I get the mantra? He said, you're not ready yet. All right, all right, all right. I've become a pretty good yoga teacher myself. Then he turned to me one day and he said, well, don't you want a mantra? Don't you still want one? Don't you still need one? I said, you give it to me when I'm ready. He recognized all of that arrogance in my persona. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, okay, you'll get it tomorrow. He said, bring some fruit and a stick of incense. I said, and a hundred dollars. And he said, no, you don't need that. Just bring the other things. That day I went to see him. He was so kind. He had set up a closet with all pictures of deities. And we sat there in that little closet space. And he did all his incantations and his bell ringing and his mantras and all this stuff. And I was waiting there for the magic to hit me. And then he said, the moment of transmission is at hand. Your mantra is wrong. And I said, that's it? Wrong? That's it? It's not Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. He said, all of anything you will need in this life, all the words of every language are in that word. Everything you need will come to you through that word. Do you believe me? I said, I do believe you. You've always taught me honestly and truthfully. I don't quite get it, but I believe you. And that's how I got my mantra. Little did I know that ultimately I would be named Shruti 
wrong. Oh. Found a guru who the only word he wrote in his diary for, for 80 years was Ram. Yeah. And on and on and on. Ram's presence in my life is astronomical. Because mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, how did you come across your name? Mm -hmm. It was given uh, by one of my teachers, uh, and, and it wasn't. Uh, mm -hmm. We were meditating, and she said, you're going to go to a very different place today, and you're going to hear something. I said, really? <laughs> okay, let's go. I've got my seatbelt fastened. I'm ready. Let's go. And we chanted and we went. And it was a very, very powerful moment. And when it was over, she said, what's your name? I said, Ramananda Saraswati Shruti Ram. And she said, correct. And she said, only answer to Shruti Ram. And I have ever since. And that's... 40 years ago. Wow. And it just, it really suits you. I mean, the, the name really, really suits you. Like, it's, it's a nice energy. You know what the Shrutis are? It's What's another that? name. It's another name for the Upanishads. And the, the what? It's another name for the Upanishads. They're oh, on, really? Oh. Shrutis, Shmertis, they are the Upanishads and the Shmertis are written word and the Shrutis are revealed vocal words, orally, passed down for centuries. So Shruti Ram are the revealed words of the Lord. And in music, oddly enough, the Shrutis, I particularly like this one, the Shrutis are the sounds between the notes. Mm like the beads of a mala. Oh, I love that. And that's how I see it. And, and then I became a kirtan mala, a kirtan singer, which is, it's just too crazy wonderful. It's magical. It, it, it's pure magical. I, lo that's, I love the flow of it. Thank you. I do too. I love the flow of it. Do you have any other... Um, like teachers who influenced you? Well, Nimkaroli Baba and his satsang, his uh, family, if you will, our spiritual family, um, they're the most wonderful people I know. They're the most difficult people I know, yeah. but they're wonderful uh, because they're real mm -hmm. and they're not phony holies. They're, yes. they're really doing the work. And that's why it's called work. It's not play. It's not, uh, oh, I feel so holy. No, it's get out and dig the ditch so the, so the septic system can work well. And with the help of God, I'll get it done. You know, it's very real. And um, I adore them. Of course, there was Sai Baba. There was Hilda Charlton, Ram Das, yeah. who was, you know, he was um, dean of psychology at Harvard. He, this man knows how the mind thinks. And I always told him, I said, I'm sticking with you because you're so much smarter than I am. And if anything is not quite kosher, I know you're going to spot it before I do. <laughs> and uh, it's true. 
in the old days, in the early days, when Ramdas and I were gathering hundreds of people, which we got all the mansions in uh, South um, Queens, and we packed them with people so we could all get together every day and have teachings and Hilda and Ramdas, it was just marvelous. And um, um, I forgot where I was going with it. <laughs> My head is like a Rolodex right now. It's, yes. But um, Ramdas, oh yes, Ramdas decided that he was becoming too important in the scene and he left. He moved to California. He said, okay, Shruti Ram, mm -hmm. it's up to you to hold it together. Well, I did. I did it very well. Uh, I, it was involved with enormous practices and disciplines, and it opened up my third eye. So I could hear everybody's thoughts, which ultimately meant that nobody could lie to me because I knew what they were thinking. Mm -hmm. And it was, I could really serve. But then I started seeing my picture on people's altars. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's evidence that I'm doing a really good job, but it's not doing me any good. I don't want to be a guru. That's not why I got into this game. I don't want to be a guru. I have one. I don't want to be one. So I did. Yeah. And Ramta said to me when I called him, I said, well, I closed the whole thing down and I moved to Florida. Nobody knows where I am. <laughs> And he said, congratulations. You could have lived on that throne for the next three incarnations. I'm proud of you. And I took that as a great blessing. And his approval on anything I did was always of major importance to me. Absolutely. So like if, why do you feel, and I mean, I know why you do, but I want the viewers to hear it. So why do you feel that doing this on a daily basis especially in the world today how it could really help people make a difference well like i expressed a bit earlier yeah it's very easy to be influenced mm -hmm. by the energy all around us yes. the world today is pretty rough it's pretty brutal and a lot of negativity uh, and unhealthy vibrations. Mm -hmm. So having a practice, again, brings you back into your heart place where you think well of yourself mm -hmm. and you want to be, you want to serve, you want to help, you want to be there for other people. And compassion is a glorious tool. But I learned early on I was studying here in Woodstock up at the Buddhist temple. And I heard a lecture once about compassion. Mm -hmm. And the Buddhists have something called idiot compassion. <laughs> and I said, idiot compassion? What's that? <laughs> and the example that my teacher told me, you're walking down the street on a cold winter's day. And you see a man sitting there with no coat, no gloves, no hat. It's freezing. So you take off your coat and you give it to him. And you give him your hat and your gloves and your shoes. And you feel so good 
with what you've done. And you're freezing. You're going to get sick and die. So the whole thing with compassion is, yes, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful formula. But don't leave yourself out of the formula. Yes. Because if you're not taking care of your vehicle, it's useless to help anybody else. Yes. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And love is the answer. It really is. It yes. really, really is the answer. It's the answer to all of our problems. It is. It is. If you could change one thing, I mean, there's, of course, many, but if, if you could change one thing in this world, what would it be? If somebody came to you and said, I'll give you one wish to change something in this world, what would it be? I would eliminate hunger. Mm -hmm. Maharaji always said, don't talk to a hungry man about God. Buy him a sandwich. Mm -hmm. That's yes. what he needs. Yes. Absolutely. Because he'd feel it right away with it. Definitely. So what, like, with your book, um, do you know when roughly that's going to be coming oh, out? it's going to be another six months because of all the art and redesigning yep. and whenever they do, you know how they do it. Yes. <laughs> what drew you into start, like, to writing it? Like, did you hear, I have to write this book? Or what was that moment when? Well, okay. Um, a long time ago, I started this book. About 10 years ago. Maybe a little oh, more. Wow. I started writing the book and I said, well, gee, this is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, preface to that was I was in India and I went to a, a seer. Mm -hmm. He said, do you have any questions? And I asked him a million questions about my life. So far, everything he told me came to pass. But he said, I said, what about my old age? What happens in my old age? And he looks and he leaves and said, oh, you're going to become very famous for something that you write. And I said, me? Right? <laughs> I'm not a writer. Maybe it'll be a song. But anyway, um, I started writing just to see what could evolve. And I really got into it. And then all of a sudden, the music took off. And Ishwari and I were touring and touring and touring all the time and festivals and fees. And then, oh gosh, it was a fabulous, wonderful time. Um, and then after about 10 years of it, I looked at her and she looked at me and I said, let's not do this anymore. So she said, yeah, okay, I have to get established in some kind of a livelihood myself, she said. So then I took the book off the back shelf and completed it and then edited it and reformatted it and worked very hard and diligently on it. And then all of a sudden, Anyone who I allowed to read the manuscript couldn't put it down. And that's how it all came to pass. Mm. And like I said, I was blown away when I read it. I said, my God, this is my life. I <laughs> and then I thought, I'm taking such a risk because I'm standing naked in front of the world. I'm telling it all. I'm telling yes. It all. Absolutely. That, that, that's, that's one of the things I love about you because you're very authentic, like very authentic. And that's, and that's what I thrive on authenticity. 
from the heart. That's what I connect with. Well, that's what I connected with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You were, you were in a place that was very real mm -hmm. and you needed support. And I didn't yeah. know you from a hole in the wall, but I felt, oh, yes, I understand. Mm -hmm. I understand. This lady needs some support. Mm -hmm. Before I knew it, we were writing each other back and forth and just really sharing a lot mm -hmm. of our lives. A lot. Yeah, and keeping what? it real, you know, and that's the thing. Like, it's, I'd always like, even on my, uh, on my other show that I had on Shaw TV, I'd get people saying, oh, what should I say? How should I act? And I'm like, okay, you don't need a script. If you want to go in a movie, you can be someone who you're not. But I just, I want you to be yourself, be you, be, be your authentic self. Why would you be someone who you're not? Unless, unless you're doing a movie with a script. And that's, you know what I mean? That's my logic, right. keeping it real. Right. You know, love and acceptance, keeping it real, unconditionally. Simple. You know, getting back to what you asked me before about living in the world, mm -hmm. I think it's really, 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 really most important to sit, sit alone, mm. get real quiet, and get back inside. Yeah. So that you can really see or visit a space and an energy that resides inside of us that is so much bigger than who we think we all are. Yeah. And it's so much bigger than our minds can even fabricate. That's the glory of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not what I call a fig Newton. It's not a figment of your imagination. You no. can actually go there. Yeah. This past weekend, I went to a concert, a wonderful concert, and there was music of famous poets. It's called the Dead Poets Concert. And uh, of one of the authors put to music was Walt Whitman, and there was a little explanation about the poem that they were putting music to. And it was called The Noiseless Little Spider. And the whole poem, the essence of the poem was that the spider sits alone and quiet and throws him part of himself, his web, out into the universe, hoping to connect with something divine, mm -hmm. if you will. Ah, I love that image. I like feeling like the spider who's casting out, hoping to catch something beyond my imagination. Yes. Yes. Because I have um, monthly meditation groups here, and, and one of the things I tell everybody before is to be open with um, what soul is trying to show you, rather than living in the illusion of, you know, wanting something that's not real. You know what I mean? So it's like if somebody says, oh, yeah, I, I found my so-called soulmate or whatever. And, and then I'm like, okay, you know, meditate on that and see if that's the real. Or is that something that you're just wanting, but you're not looking at the reality. So to silence the mind, 
hear your soul speak, to see truth, but to be open to that truth rather than running from that truth and fighting with soul. Well, meditation, mantra, practice, care time, it's a method that promotes surrender. Yes, completely. The surrendering to the completely and divinity that resides within. Mm. It's it's the only reason to even go on. Yes. It it you know, i I surrender everything, like completely everything, re regardless what it is. You know, even at certain times, you know what I mean? Like that fetal position, you're like, oh dear God, right? You know, where you think that's it. Like I'm, I'm done for whatever reason, you know? And then I'm like, I'm completely and utterly surrendering. I remember just giving an example. I had literally 23 cents in my bank account. And I'm like, like, oh my God, like, like now what? And that was quite recent, you know? And I'm like, I'm just surrendering it. I'm following my heart's purpose and keeping it real wherever that might lead me. And I kept hearing for a long time, you know, my passion has been interviewing and connecting with people worldwide to get that energy out there you know, like people such as yourself, you know, amazing what you've done, you know, and how you've really healed people. Like I seriously call you a true healer. You know, I, there's people around where they say, oh, I'm a healer, you know, great, great. But there's certain people in my eyes only, of course, right, that I consider a true healer. How you've touched that person, how you've really changed that person and made a difference in their lives. It's the unity of compassionate hearts. That's the power. That's the place where divinity thrives and ultimately causes uh, complete evolution. Mm -hmm. Yourself and, and the best way to teach is to be. Yes. That's it. You want to be a teacher? You, you don't have to tell anybody you're a teacher. Yeah. Live it, do it, be it, and they yes. get it. You yes. share it. Be yourself. And that's where the real comes out of. You know, the old saying is try, stop being somebody who you're not, and listen to your soul and, and follow your passion because you'll find your purpose when you let it go and surrender it. And your own personal experience. As I said earlier, your experience is the guru that you're looking for. The guru lives within. Mm -hmm. Your personal experience when you, when you have a path, when you have a practice, even if it's just chanting or if it's just japa or hugging a tree every day, but have a constant, keep it together, a place where something where you can almost understand it, but you know it's pure and you know it's bigger than you are. Mm. Embrace it. It'll mm. change you. Changed me. It's changed you. It's changed many people. Yes. So somebody said to you, do I need to, like, do I have to be a good singer to chant or, or to sing kirtan? What would you say to them? 
oh my God, that's the best part of it. You don't have to be able to sing at all. Yeah. That's the best part. And there are people who can't sing for beans, you know, yeah. but they can chant. It happens. It just, people say, how did you ever learn the chorisa? Because it's long. And I call it mouth yoga. You're really, <laughs> it's hard to learn it, but it's not. Yeah. So what you have to do is read it every day. Read it once a day for a month, and then all of a sudden a little switch will thunk, and you've got it. It's the most amazing thing. Mm -hmm. So you didn't take any voice lessons or anything? You just kind of... Oh, for chanting? No. I had voice lessons in the past. Yeah. I studied opera as a young man. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know I, that. And I chanted um, Gregorian chant for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And I was part of a doo-wop group for a while. If you could chant or sing with one person, living or not living, who would that be and why? <laughs> there he is. Yeah. I would sit at his feet. As we yeah. said, take the dust <laughs> from the lotus feet of the guru and touch your head to clear the mirror of your mind and chant. That's what I would do. Mm. I, would, I would love mm -hmm. adore, to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel I do it every day anyway. His presence is so predominant in my life. Mm -hmm. there's, no, uh, there's no thinking he's not there. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one quick story. I was in India and uh, I went, I was walking through the ashram and all of the elder gentlemen were all in one room and they're rattling away, all the elders, and they're rattling away in Hindi. And I stood at the door and they saw me and they invited me in. So I sat down with them and they immediately shifted to English so that I could be part of it. And I listened to them discussing this and that about ashram business and this one had a problem and that one had a problem. So I raised my hand and he said, yes, can we help you, Shruti Ram? Mm -hmm. I said, yes, I have a problem. And he said, well, yes, what's that? I said, well, I love Maharaji. I sing to him every day. I cook for him every day, I offer him food. And then I eat what he leaves behind. Mm -hmm. I do devotional practice whenever I can with him. I said, but sometimes I get lonely. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how to handle that loneliness. And my teacher, Guru Dutt Sharma, was, happened to be there. And he stood up and he picked up his hands and he went, you. And I went, oh. <laughs> you don't really believe that Maharaji is with you all the time. If you did, you could never be lonely. Mm -hmm. And he was right. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I never felt lonely again. Wow. Are you are you going back to India at all? Like, well, all of my teachers are gone, mm -hmm. and uh, I might be going back because of the book. Because this yes. publisher told me that they're going to do a printing in India and Europe, so probably. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Want to come? Yes, yes. Like, don't even kid with me. I've been wanting to go forever. You know, every year I'm planning on going. You know, but roadblocks. But I'm like, surrender it for divine timing. 
And then in my Vedic chart, because I'm also studying Joyter's Vedic astrology, <laughs> I'm supposed to go in 2021, but I had someone told me, no, you'll be going sooner. So surrender it. So I would totally go. I'll keep you posted. Oh, oh, please do. Like, please do. Like, don't, don't yeah. even kid me with that. Like, you know. No, no, really. And if you should need to go before I'm going, I'll hook you up with someone to go with. Oh, wow. Easily. Yeah, yeah, because I've never been, you, you know, I mean, I, I know people out there and stuff, but um, no, we'll, we'll definitely. You want a about. sacred journey. You don't want to just go see Taj Mahal. No, it journey. completely yeah. and utterly, it beyond sacred when I go. I did a painting, actually, long story, but um, I did a painting because I do past life paintings and everything, but um, I did a painting, I was just painting whatever, and then it, it ended up to be like a painting of me. And I just, I kept on hearing for quite some time, you, you know, when I go back to India, or when I go to India in this lifetime, that it's going home to God. So I called my painting going, going home to God, going home to the beloved. And you know, I've always said, um, when I go to India, I'll either be staying there for a long time, you know, or um, I might not make it back. <laughs> so who knows? Surrender, right? When I was with Sai Baba on that first journey, and I finally had got what I wanted from him, one day I, I woke up and I said, well, that's it. I'm never going back to America. Yeah. And that day mm -hmm. when I had my interview with him, they call them interviews every day. Mm -hmm. When I had my interview with him, he went to me and said, it's time for you to go back to America. I said, what? <laughs> he said, go back to America and worship your mother as though she was a goddess. And I had never told him, but one of the reasons I went to India was to get away from my mother. <laughs> and then he told me, go home and worship her, which is what I did. And she became my best friend. Yeah. And you healed. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, you know, this is so amazing, you know, and, and as I said to you know, everybody, of course, once they see this, of, of just seriously, how honored. I've been wanting to interview you for years, like years, actually, you know, but of course, that's why I'm like, no, I've got to get my own show going on, you know, online. So that way, world, I can finally connect with the people who I truly, truly want to connect with, who I resonate with on a deep level. And they can seek you out. Because oh. it's easy to do so. It's oh. easy to do so online. It's easy. Yeah, you reach you reach people, and um, it it it's just a real blessing. Like like being so grateful that you know the opportunity is there to be able to do that and share it with people and and you know and help them with regardless of what. Like even the work that I do, like my spiritual work. I mean, my goal, you know has always been even if i could help even one person a day even even one person that one person can truly 
go out and help other people and so on. And, and, and then we have unity within the collective consciousness worldwide. You know, it could, it could really truly help help others in so many ways especially when your book comes out like oh my god like that's our purpose as far as i can yes always it's, been mine it's our job especially when you reach my age all of a sudden i found myself wearing the elders shoes oh and it was like well you've got a job to do you have an obligation yes. You look, I look back and saw this incredible life. So now I have to share the treasures that I gleaned from such a wonderful life. There's another little story in the book. One of my teachers, this Guru Jat Sharma was coming to America. He was in the house at Ashram <clears throat> and I invited him to the place I was staying for lunch. And when he was there, I said, Guru Dutt, would you come into my room and see my saver, my Takuchi saver, my Ram and all the accoutrements and all the stuff that you, you drag along wherever you go, you never leave him alone. Yeah. So he comes in and I'm going, oh boy, oh boy, he's so orthodox, oh boy, oh boy, taking a risk here. And he looks at it and he looks at it and he said, where does he sleep? And I said, here's his bed and this is where he sleeps. And he looked at it and looked at it and then he put his head and bowed and said, very good, Shruti, uh, very uh, good. He said, do you have any questions? I said, I do. Hmm. What is it? I said, I know I do this very well. I know it. Mm -hmm. And I have ego about doing it so well. Mm. What shall I do? Wonderful. So he looks at me and says, you should be proud. You should be a devotee and you do it properly. He yeah. says, take your ego and hold it in your hand and see it as a precious gem. He said, then move it over and put it in the jewel box. Oh, amazing. The lid and never show the jewel to anyone. Oh, that, I love that. I love that. That's amazing. I just love that. <laughs> like, wow. So he now, took a negative and he made it a positive. Oh, uh, absolutely. But just that, just how he worded that, you know what I mean? And, and how you said it. I felt it. I totally felt that. It's amazing. I'm very sensitive to energy, so it's, it's interesting. I yes. Now, I was going to um, bless everybody again by having you sing off oh that would be lovely sing off um before we end our show and before we do that would you like is there anything else that you would love to share with us that you would like to share with us one thing yes i love you Oh, <laughs> don't make me cry. <laughs> don't I want mean, the mascara to run. <laughs> I love you all. Oh. Because I feel the love. Yes. Yeah. And thank well, you. Oh, I'm I'm honored. Like I'm 
I'm very honored, like very, very grateful for your presence. Me too. And now you've put India in my mind, so. <laughs> hey, if you want to go and I'm not going, I shall arrange that for you. It's a nice, small, little group and everything will be taken care of. Oh. Everything. Not oh. to worry. You got me, you, you got, I'm doing a vision board. So I'm revising mine this weekend, so. Okay. That's been on it. You so now it. what, yes, yeah, sorry, go on. I'm sorry. Oh no, I, I interrupted you, so. No, I'm no so it's good, it's good. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm tweaking my vision board tonight, so. Good. Absolutely. So what, what are you going to sing? To I'm going to sing a, a chant that I wrote with uh, Chaitan Jyotima on the banks of the Ganges in Rishikesh, uh, right after I had uh, an experience, what I call unity. It's in my book, Unity, where I felt and became totally one with everything that exists. Mm. And when that was done, we sat and we wrote this chant. Mm. Unity of consciousness. Wow. And again, I want to send my deepest love and much gratitude for, you know, you taking your time because I know you're busy to, to do this. It's been wonderful. A joy. Wonderful. And just before, just before, um, now if somebody wanted to find out more about you, let's say, what, what is the best way? Do you have like a website or what? Website is being reconstructed. Okay. Facebook. Facebook, Judy Rom. They can PM me and then we'll exchange email addresses, whatever. Okay. So you heard it, viewers. <laughs> and thank you. And I'm and I just want everyone to sit back and relax. Take a deep breath in, deep breath out as we end the show with Shutri Ram. <laughs> Sing on, 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 sing on
Namaste, everyone. This is Jenny G with Soul to Soul Connections with Jenny G. Please thank Sutra Ram for his presence again. And stay tuned for another show, another interview soon coming. Namaste, everyone. Namaste. Mm -hmm.